Hello, everyone. It's Ian, and it's time for another Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition. I am so excited today to bring you one of my favorite bands. I'm going to keep this intro very short. I think I've been doing a good job of that lately, but I just wanted to introduce Kimberly Freeman and Jason Rufus Sewell, a.k.a. Jr., of the band One-Eyed Doll. Now, I know that if you listen to the show on a regular basis, this is not the first time you've heard me talk about how great One-Eyed Doll is. I am just very happy that I was able to get them both on the show today. We talk about everything that they're doing right now between touring, new album, everything. I'm not going to spoil it all here, so make sure you take a listen. But first, I'm going to give you a taste of some of my favorite One-Eyed Doll music. So we're going to start off today with Plumes of Death off the album Dirty. And you're going to realize once you hear the conversation why I picked this certain track to start us off with. So let's get right to the conversation with Kimberly and Jason. No more holding you back from it. Here's Plumes of Death by One-Eyed Doll. Enjoy.
All right, welcome back everyone to Ian Hates Music. I am very excited today because I have on the show the band One-Eyed Doll. This is Kimberly Freeman and Jason Sewell, a.k.a. Junior. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> I've been very excited for this. Now, when we talked a little bit earlier, you guys are in California now, right? Uh, well, our home base is Austin, Texas. Right. And um, yeah, we're on the West Coast right now. We're we're recording. Oh, very uh, nice. Working on our next album. So. Oh, that's great to hear. So you guys just got off of the <laughs> the Wednesday Thirteen tour, right? It was what was it called? Yeah, again? it was called And Bloodshed for a while. There we go. See, I always get it confused. I remember the bloodshed part but I don't remember all the rest of it. <laughs> That's the important part anyway. That's very true. And actually, that was the first time that I ever got a chance to see you guys live, and it was absolutely amazing. How did that tour go for you guys? Oh, thank you. Uh, the tour was awesome. We really enjoyed uh, being out with those guys. Um, I, I'm a total fan now of the band. I think they're just great and uh uh, really good group of people, and the shows were really super fun. The fans were awesome. Um, you couldn't really ask for more. Yeah, Wednesday 13 is, is one of these bands where it's like, man, you can watch them. You know, we, we did 36 shows with them, and it was entertaining every single night. Like, I would get captivated. We'd go to our merch table after we were done and hang out with people, and, and it was just like I'd just get drawn into their show, even up to the very last show. So Absolutely, yeah. That was a very cool kind of mashup with you guys and them because I wasn't sure how much of a combination of fans you guys would have, but it seems like that was a really good tour to be on because fans of yours were also fans of theirs and vice versa, or at least you were opening up people that might have been there for Wednesday 13 to your band. Yeah, definitely. Um, our fans all got along really well, and I feel like our fans love them and their fans seem to take really well to us. I feel like what we have in common is the dark art thing. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we both have this um, this uh, dark side of performance art, kind of dramatic, a um, little bit campy at times, sure. same. Um, and I feel like we're just kind of coming from a similar place with our... Uh, with our music and and how we perform it. So I think that, you know, anyone who likes us really ought to be a fan of Wednesday 13, too, as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you like us, you've got to love them. So I, I think that it was a great matchup, and we're really grateful to have been invited. Uh, you know, it was my first exposure to these guys, so... Um, yeah, it's super. It was it was super cool. It was actually mine as well because I was at the show. So I went to the one in Cambridge, Massachusetts, so right near Boston, just to see you guys. And then once they hit the stage, I was like, "There's no way I'm leaving. <laughs> I can't." Yeah, <laughs> we we really tried to encourage everybody to stay because um, it's the first time in a couple of years that we haven't headlined a tour. So a lot of our fans are just kind of you know uh, used to leaving after our set so we've tried to encourage everybody make sure to stay for wednesday 13 right um, and and everybody who did was just totally blown away so i'm really happy that they have a bunch of our fans now and um we definitely love theirs so now was there any concern like you mentioned 
you've kind of been doing the headlining thing for a while now. Was there any concern going out there that maybe there wouldn't be such a good mesh and such a good crossover while you were on this long tour? I, I think there's always, you know, you get nervous before you leave on a tour that, like, you know, there's going to be all kinds of weird problems. But um, and, and and most of the time there are problems, but maybe they're not the ones that you thought they were going to be. You know, some some other weird thing happens. You know. But um, on this particular tour, you know, I think also we made a big effort to communicate ahead of time with Wednesday and their crew, like, you know, what we were all about, how our shows go. And, and I think that uh, went a long way for making sure it was a smooth tour and there wasn't anything unexpected that happened, you know. Right. So um, I think we were both totally on the same page when we set this thing up and, and we ended up really getting along and had no issues the whole tour. So it was one of the, one of the smoothest tours that, that we've done. Yeah, I was a little concerned about being a support act again because I'm kind of just not used to that right. anymore. <laughs> and um, but <laughs> we fell into it, and I feel like actually, um, you know, because we had a 45 minute set, which I haven't done in a long time. Um, Occasionally, so you know, we'll be about two and a half hours into our set, and I'll be like, you know, <laughs> pointing at the wrist, like, "Are you sure you want to keep going?" And she's just like rocking out, and I'm like, "All right, right." Well, when we're headlining, when we're headlining, not, yeah. not on a, I wasn't doing that on the tour, yeah. right, right. Um, but yeah, so I had to kind of uh, get my support chops back up and and <laughs> make a full show out of forty-five minutes, and I feel like it. Uh, I feel like that improved us quite a bit oh, okay. on the performance side of things. Like I really feel like we got some of our, our chops back up and uh and we got real tight. Um I don't know if by the time you saw us, but like further into the tour, uh I feel like we'd really tapped into uh some new stuff and um and our performance just got better and better and better. So um yeah, I got a lot out of it in that way. I feel like it improved us. Oh that's a great. Lot. That's great to hear. What, what in specific terms did you actually change? Because, yeah, I think I saw you guys pretty early on in the tour, if I'm not mistaken. Just was it music cues? Was it switching around different songs that you thought played better to kind of being in that support role? Was it something like that, or was it something completely different? Um, well, uh, for me, uh, from my perspective, you know, I feel like the it's, it's all about the transitions in between the songs. Okay. Know? And in order for us to um, fit all of our songs into a 45-minute set that we want to play for everyone, and for us, it's like, man, choosing the songs to fit into 45 minutes is pretty hard because, you know, our hardcore fans would be really mad if we don't play Be My Friend or something yeah. like that, you know? Very true. So, um, and uh, so, um, I, you know, for us, I think it was like the, the transition still making a compelling... A lot of what, what Kimberly does is the kind of in-between song you know, banter, the theatrics, the yep. things that, you know, the storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, every song is a story, and I feel like a lot of our show has to do with, you know, talking about what the songs are about. So um, making it so that it, that we could get everything that we wanted, you know, fit into 45 minutes and do it really snappy and have really great, you know, transitions that were energetic and kept the energy going uh, was something that, that we kind of developed on this because we had to, but uh, I think that, you know, made us a better band because of it, you know, we were we were able to kind of communicate all of those things in the time that, that we had. So. That makes total sense. And yeah, there's definitely that banter in between that I really enjoyed as well. I, like I said, 
have never had a chance to see you guys headline. It sounds pretty amazing if you're seriously doing over two hours. Is that normal for you guys? Or well, no. I mean, I think I think a, a typical set, you know, is, is something like an hour and a half or something. Okay. But, but there, um, you know, there are times because when we're headlining, we can play how how long we want, and uh, can really just kind of usually plays what she feels like oh, playing, okay. which is I think it's really cool. And a lot of times she'll start playing a song and won't tell me what it is, and I have to <laughs> kind of figure it out. Like. You know, I'm like, oh, I think I know that is okay. And then we start, you know, and um, it kind of keeps me on my toes. It keeps the audience on their toes. You know, some 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 of our fans will go to seven or eight, fifteen shows on the tour. Wow. And um, you know, kind of giving them something different uh, every night. I think is something really cool that a lot of bands don't do. It's like you know. Yeah, I mean, most bands are stuck to a click track and their backing tracks, and right. so they can't improvise at all. But all we do is improvise. We don't have anything playing out of the computer um it's just the guitar and drums so uh, i can change things up on the drop of a hat so um you know sometimes when we're headlining I, I sort of take advantage of that and i'll go off in some direction for a while and i mean people are still standing there so right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's three in the morning or you get all right well more songs let's do this yeah right. but um you know so so I can I can deviate a little bit uh, from our groove sometimes, and I felt like this tour was uh, was good for getting me back on my groove and and, uh, and you know playing for for brand new fans who've never seen us before. Um, that's a different challenge, and you've got to uh, um, there's this certain thing that that happens when uh when we're playing for brand new people that is very special and so wednesday 13 kind of gave us an opportunity to give a first impression again for the first time in a while and that was that was really cool so oh i i yeah it's just it was just really special so no that's awesome and I can attest to seeing people kind of being opened up to your new music as well. Were there any moments that you could see things not connecting while on this tour? Or is that something that you're so in the moment that it, you wouldn't even care anyways? Boy, you know, um, I felt like every show we had a really great connection. I felt like um, the audiences were just really open to what we had to do and, uh, really respectful audiences, yeah. by the way. Um, our fans are obviously cool. <laughs> of <coolest>. course. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday 13 fans are super cool and respectful and, and open-minded to art. Um, but, you know, we've done a lot of touring, and, and the package isn't always as, as artsy in jazz hands as, <laughs> as this one. Um, so that I really, really appreciated. Um, they were like super down with my silliness and props and um because Wednesday does that kind of stuff too very much that way uh so yeah no I I felt like a real openness from from the audience at every show on this tour um I didn't I wasn't like I didn't get the hostility um that we have experienced in the past sure uh so, yeah, it was it was really nice. I'll say, you know, I've played thousands of shows at Timberly now, and, and she pretty much always turns the crowd around. So. Right. But there are some shows where it's like, you know, the first couple songs, they're just they got their arms crossed, you know. There's uh, one guy at the front, he's just not going to be into it. And then and I'm watching the guy, and like by the seventh or eighth song, you start seeing a smile come on his face, <laughs> and he 
Brown's a gunner. I don't like this. And then by the last time, he's just like, fine, this is great. Right. <laughs> no, that's, and that's awesome. I mean, that's. This one, this one didn't have as many of those people that are like, you know, resisting it. Like everybody was kind of just down to have a good time. Yeah, they were, they were there to enjoy the show. Um, and that's the kind of audience that I like. That's, that's what I want. As an audience, I, I want them to be open to all of the bands, I, I, you know, and um, and to new experiences. Do you think that uh, has anything to do with the genre of music? Because you guys meld so many different genres together. And I remember bringing up the show on the weekly show that we do, saying, "Oh, I'm going to this," and the people that uh, that I do the show with were like, "Wait, you're going to a goth show?" And I was like, "Yeah, I listen to." A lot of different types of music, but the music we normally talk about on the show is metalcore, post-hardcore, like from metal to rock. That's kind of what we do. Do you think that it has to do a little bit with maybe the goth scene that's more inviting than if you had been playing with another band that was very focused on, hey, we're metalcore and that's what the audience is here to hear? Yeah, you know, I do enjoy uh, a more gothy crowd because... Uh... Um, yeah, I noticed that on, uh, on the Orgy Tour. Oh, sure. It was, um, a long time ago, I was like, oh, there are a lot of, like, goth kids out in this audience, and they, they seem to be the ones getting it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I feel like, uh, that, that scene, uh, is, is very, um, open to our style. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Maybe that maybe that has something to do with it. You know, and I would say, you know, what's the, it just seems to be more like creative type, I guess, is what. Yeah. What's the, you know what's the first metal band? The first metal band was was is widely accepted to be Black Sabbath, and they're sure. goth. They're goth band. Right, you know? right. I agree. So, so they invented metal. They invented goth, and to me, you know, that's that is metal. So anybody, you know, it's like. You can you can break things down into a million different genres, right. but you know it's drums, it's guitars, it's dark, it's you know it's the dark side of music, and and you know to to be like you know oh well we only like metalcore, and, you know it's just kind of like you know sit sit down and listen to stuff. Don't don't think about fashion. Music isn't isn't all about fashion. You know exactly, and that's what we try and do on the show. Is you know it's it's mostly rock to metal. It's all those genres in between. You know, we're not talking normally right. about country. It happens. It happens every once in a while. But that's not normally the scene. Let me ask you, you, <laughs> you brought up Black Sabbath. Have you ever had a chance to see them live? I've seen Black Sabbath, yeah. I mean, in their, like, on Ozfest, you know, not like in their original form. But, you know, actually, I did see them with Deezer Butler, um, with uh, Bill Ward. Yeah. And, and, and Ozzy. So I did see the original lineup, but it was in, like, 2005 or something. Yeah, I think that's about the time that, that I probably saw them as well. But I very much enjoyed that show, so I appreciate you bringing them up. Are they an influence of yours? Absolutely, yeah. Very yeah, nice. definitely. For me. You can hear it in a lot of my riffs, I think. <laughs> yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff on the show, and that's one of the things I definitely wanted to ask both of you. And I apologize if it's cliche. I'm sure a lot of people have asked, but where did your inspiration come from? When did you start with music in general, and we'll make our way back to uh, some of the other tour stuff as well. But in general, like when did you guys start off? Uh, well, I was, uh, it, it's, it's a weird mixture with me. Um, 
So I was I was raised mostly in the Pacific Northwest, and so I was exposed to the uh, like post riot girl oh. kind of scene and, um, and all that. And then, um, but but just before I started performing my music, I lived in China right. for a while. So that I feel like the uh, the, the C pop culture uh, kind of had a lot of influence on me once I started performing and doing my thing. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, a lot of the classic bands like Sabbath um, had early early influence on me before I was ever a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, um, I believe, was my first cassette tape. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, it made me... Uh, Eventually, when I became a musician, I, I had this the secret goal of recording in a church because ah. of that album. Oh right, right, <laughs> and, uh, which we did, <laughs> and and then and then we did. We recorded "Dirty" church. sure, and that that album in particular is very Sabbath influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a little that was a little bit of a nod uh, to one of my influences there. Very nice. And as a drummer, I'm. I'll just throw out there that I, you know, I kind of uh, grew up. My dad was a drummer. Okay. Yeah, he, he actually had a double bass um, pedal on oh, his drum set. Even though he's kind of more like he was like a uh, he he was really into prog rock. Oh, okay. Yes. And he had like a you know he he had kind of more like a Terry Bozio you know he that was a drummer for Frank Zappa like big drum set with lots of little bells and whistles and all the stuff that you could want. So I would sneak in. I wasn't allowed to play the drums, <laughs> but I, I got home from school at 2.30, and they got home from work at 6.30, so they didn't have any way to stop me from playing drums every day for like four hours. So um, And at the time, I was just in a Metallica player, stuff like that. So okay. Iron Maiden. So it was all just basically trying to play you know, Dyer's Eve or whatever as fast as I possibly could on the double bass. So. Wow. If I did my research correctly... You started off producing first, and then you moved into doing drums for One Eye Doll while you also do producing as well. When did that change yeah, happen? Um, yeah, well, basically, uh, Kimberly and I both moved to Austin around 2005, yep. and uh, I moved. To, I was just running a studio, basically, so um, that's what I did for a living in California. And then I moved to Austin and moved my studio there, and um, you know, it's, I wanted to find the, the best band in Austin to be my first kind of like something that a resume piece, something to show off. Sure. And I did a lot of research, you know, searching for, I wanted to find the quintessential Austin band to show what I could do. And, um, it turns out that I found someone from the Northwest. (laughs) I had no idea that that was what he was after because we were not the quintessential Austin band at that time. We were still the outsiders. Uh. We were like, those people from Oregon who showed up in Austin and started playing weird art. <laughs> but it was the thing I was totally drawn to. Like I, most of the stuff was like, I just was like, mm, no, that's not my thing. I and mean, then... we certainly weren't popular in Austin yet. You were, you were at that show. You saw like 15 people yeah. in the audience. That you yeah. And um, <laughs> so it was like, we were, <laughs> we, we were definitely not a typical Austin band at the time. I mean, I had to work really hard to, uh, work into that scene and to win people over but um but yeah for some reason he he found us and decided that that was what he would do for his uh his resume to get Austin bands to want to record with him and um you know I at the time was living in my bus 
and, um, you know, barely, barely getting by. And, uh, and I was like, man, it'd be cool to record at a real studio. Um, cause I've only ever recorded like in a garage, sure. but, uh, you know, I, I can't quite do it yet. Like I didn't have any money at all. You're right, right, right. <laughs> I, I probably didn't eat that day, you know? Wow. So, um, so he actually worked out. My drummer at that time, um, was a, a, a painter and he could, he could, he knew how to paint houses. So we, we worked out a deal where, uh, my drummer and I painted like every room huh. in Jason's house that was his, also his studio. And we painted all these rooms, different colors and did all this labor for a summer. And wow. that basically we, we traded hour for hour for the eventual recording of the album. Um, by the time that album was nearly finished, uh, that drummer quit the band and moved away. And uh, and then over and I, I I ended up Jason and I finished out the album and I released it myself. And then um, eventually, you know, I had lots of lineups thereafter and yeah coming back to Jason's place to record and a lot of the recordings we ended up having to just do ourselves because whoever was ale and um, right, right. and I you know so eventually he just became the drummer it was like and he's been the person that I've worked with in music for the longest time anyway uh, out of anyone so it, it was kind of a natural uh, a natural lineup that, that, that happened so there was no like audition. It was just sort of like, yeah, you know, this works. Sure. <laughs> and um, so, and that was in 2009. 2009. Yeah. So, it's been uh, seven years. Crazy. <laughs> Jason's been my longest standing band member. And we've actually had different lineups since then. Like we've had uh, bass players a couple times that mm-hmm. came and went. Um, but, but this has been kind of, what I consider the classic lineup uh, right. now. So, yeah, so, yeah uh, it's cool that that's how it ended up happening. You know, I've never worked so well in music with anyone. He's my secret weapon. Right. It's not so secret. I mean, I tell everyone right. about it. Even though Junior might not be front and center with a two-person band, especially live, like I was blown away by what you guys were able to accomplish. It was so straight-up rock. That's all you need. Yeah, I think in this genre of music, a lot of times the, the bass player and the guitar player play the same riff. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Kind of like if you listen to like ACDC or Metallica or any of those bands, it's kind of, uh, you know, the bass kind of follows the guitar. So, um, you know, with uh, the, the style that Kimberly plays with the palm muting and, the, and, and nowadays they have these, you know, we started with the, um, well, for, for many years we used a triple rectifier, which is a really bassy amp. Oh, and now cool. he's. Um, and uh, we, we transitioned to Black Star, which is also kind of a similar voicing to um, a triple rectifier, um, where it's it's got, you know, really crunchy. You still get the metal guitar tone, but then it has this super low end. So it still feels like you have that low end in there, you know, and, and the, way her, the way she plays is almost more like a bass than a guitar. So... Um, you know, she plays kind of bass lines, if you can think of it that way. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I just feel like it works, and people 
sometimes they get baffled. They're like, man, how does it sound that way with only two people? And and to me, it's like it makes total sense. It's like, well, a lot of bands are just drums, vocals, guitar, and bass. And I think we do cover those elements in our shows. No, you yeah, definitely I do. Play, I just play the guitar and bass and sing. So right, that's three members right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> as long we'll as the. As long as the money's getting put out to both of you, that's yeah, all that really matters. Yeah, Kimberly gets uh, three quarters of it, and I get one quarter, and that's <laughs> perfect thing. <laughs> what <laughs> money? That's what I'm trying to find. What money? What money? <laughs> yeah, you get a whole three quarters of nothing. That's, uh, yeah. that's We can eat and pay for gas, and that's good. Yeah, I mean, we just, this is like, we run this like a family operation. We just sort of put everything back in and... You know, it's it's not like there's never been any like splitting up of money or anything like that. It all just goes into one pile, and we do what we need to do out of it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we just had a real trust, and, uh, uh, and you know, it's, it's just more like a family operation. It's um, it's just comfy and, and easy that way, and um, so. But yeah, what money is definitely the correct <laughs> answer. To that. Well, I did want to ask. The first time in a long time I've seen a band with such unique merch. You've got comic books, you've got rare prints, you've got the autograph photos, all the unique t-shirts and hoodies. Like Then you've also got your online store as well, which we had talked about earlier. You've got Kimberly's Magical Charms. There are so many unique merch options here, and you guys are pretty much do-it-yourself, right? Yeah, um... I make a lot of the merch myself, in fact, and, uh, and, and we, you know, we had a late call with you because I'm also our uh, webmaster. Right, right. <laughs> uh, we had a DNS thing happen, and I had to go in and fix a bunch of things, um, which our, our website was down for, for a minute. So, uh, you know, yeah, we, we just kind of, it's, it's very, uh, we, stay, we stay really busy. Right. We wear a lot of hats. <laughs> I guess you could say, but then, but then, yeah, the merchandise, I do all of our graphic design and, um, make a lot of our merch by hand as well. Um, so, and then we also have friends that are very talented that make some of our merch and we, uh, are able to support each other in that way as artists. Absolutely. Uh, like the, the magic wands, for example, mm-hmm. uh, are, are made by this really cool guy, Sean Hathaway, do that bidding. Um, so, you know, what, what, what we'll do is that, uh, he'll make us a bunch of wands, which he started doing when the witches album came out. Right. And, um, and actually right before that, he had given me one of his handmade magic wands as a gift. Oh, very nice. And it was a really special thing. Yeah. And then, uh, I ended up using it in some photo shoots and sort of showcasing it. And, uh, and then he, he had the idea of, uh, of doing them for merch. He's like, oh, yes, our fans would love this. So, so we've been working with him ever since. And, um, you know, uh, we're able to get his art out into the world and into the hands of people who appreciate it and send him financial support for that. And it, it helps us out really big time. Um, and so, you know, we have, we have a few people, a few very special people who, who work with me on the merch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of a fun way to uh, to give back to the art community and to support people who really deserve it. And it gives our fans a fun opportunity to get unique art 
Yeah, the, the comic book is all the art is by Aaron Bordner, who's this just awesome comic book artist who did our uh he did the the painting for the witches album. Oh, okay. That was his artwork, and then, you know, ever since then, he's he's drawn up a bunch of T-shirts and different things like that, and then, you know, we started doing comic books with him. So he takes my words and draws, right. <laughs> and it, it just creates these really fun uh, comic books, and we put them out in limited batches, and, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. I really love merchandise. I, <laughs> I always... I've always loved doing that. Like when I started out, when Jason discovered the band, actually, I was dumpster diving for things to make merch out of. So ah. I would find, you know, uh, thrown out items. I, I had like tin cans that I would paint into oh. art and um, scrap clothing that people were throwing away or, or whatever I could find, I would turn into art and make merch out of it. Wow, and um, that's how I that's how I started out, and I'm still a little bit that way, you know. I just I'm always trying to come up with fun new ideas, and it's really fun for me. Right at the beginning, um, uh, you know, when we made the first album, Hole, mm-hmm. uh, the band was called Ghetto Princess. And, right um, after that, Mary left. She ended up changing the name to One Night Doll, and so that, you know, my my job at the time was just studio, so I um, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on that much. Out, you know, after the album was put out, and then I would go out into town, and, and all of a sudden it was like everywhere you walked, there was somebody wearing this bleached one-eyed doll shirt, and I had just heard that they had changed that. You know, she changed the name to One-Eyed Doll, right? And I was like, man, they're like these shirts are getting out there, and she just made them herself, and was she at the time they're five bucks, so it was like everybody was buying them. It was like, wow. What an amazing plan. Like, just get the shirt out there. Yeah. Make it yourself. You know, get whatever, you know, black T-shirt you can and bleach it and uh, and get them out there. And people are just, were, you couldn't walk down the street in Austin for a while without seeing one of these bleach one-eyed doll shirts. It's really awesome. Yeah, a lot of our first shirts, um, the first several hundred or a thousand even probably were, um, you know, whatever dark colored T-shirt that I could find. And then I would turn it inside out. Mm-hmm take the tags off and then bleach my logo um, with, you know, I just made a stencil out of cardboard and then I would uh, have bleach in a spray bottle and I would spray uh, over the stencil and create my logo on the inside of the t-shirt. So they were like reverse shirts with the themes on the outside. Ah, sure. <laughs> so, so every shirt has something else on the other side of it. It'd be like a sports team shirt or something on the inside. So, um you know, I kind of just, you know, and and a lot of a lot of them uh, were like scrap stuff that were, people were throwing away or whatever. So I would modify them mm-hmm. after, you know, uh, cut them up and make them cool. And um, or even I had a lot of sharpie shirts out there that I would just draw on. Ah, <laughs> those probably still exist, but. Um, yeah, I just kind of had to, and I, I felt like it was really important just to get people wearing my shirt oh, in yeah. the early days. I didn't, I didn't have any money to order shirts, so um, I just had to sort of um, do it myself. Right. And, uh, but it kind of, it, it, it sort of, uh, I don't know, I, I, it was really fun for me. And so sometimes I will still do that. I'll 
I'll put out the notice to our fans. They're like, okay, I'm going to take pre-orders for this many bleach shirts. I'm going to do some old school bleach shirts or spray paint. I did a lot of spray painting back uh, in the day too. Yeah, yeah. But, but I can only do so many. Like I can't make them for everybody anymore. So right. They're more of a, um, a limited um, first come first serve kind of, kind of thing these days, but it's still kind of the same. It's that style. And um, yeah, you know, it's really cool. And I feel really blessed to be able to uh, design up a T-shirt and have it printed now. Like, I can't even tell you how <laughs> impossible that seemed back in the day. Right. Um, so. You know, because a lot of these places have minimum orders. It's just, you know, it's just a lot of money to, to get up on your own unless you're really going to sell that many. Very true. Yeah. It takes uh, money. So, you know, I... And I, I made the money for my first eventual run of screen printed shirts by just making them myself at uh, at much less of the cost. But, right. Um, so it's it's just sort of a you got to start somewhere. Exactly. No, it was extremely smart to do that. Are there any projects? Because, like I said, you have fragrances, you have necklaces. We talked about the comic book. You have your own signature guitar series as well. Is there any project or are there any things that you would love to do that you still haven't had a chance to when it comes to merchandise? Um, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I had to try. I got I to keep it secret so somebody else doesn't do it first. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. But, but yes, yes, the answer is yes. I have, uh, I have some ideas. Very nice. <laughs> we, are, we are working on uh, VIP passes to Mars. But, oh, know, the technology isn't quite there yet. We're, yeah. we're going to travel with us tomorrow. We're working with Elon Musk on that. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, at least you guys are ready and prepared, though. And that's what matters. Absolutely. Thinking ahead. <laughs> Let me ask you, because we've talked a little bit about Austin. I am a huge fan of just Texas in general. I'm an Air Force brat, so one of my favorite memories is living in San Antonio myself. And I've been trying to get back to Texas for years and years and years. What's it like there in Austin for you guys right now? What is the scene like? Do you enjoy Texas? Are you still a fan of being down there? Or do you like to kind of spread out when you're on tour and everything? I love Austin. I've always loved Austin. I've had, you know, some of my best memories in my whole life have been there. And um, I've lived in all, all sorts of different parts of it and had lots of different jobs. Oh, sure. <laughs> And um, it's just a, it's just such a unique place. The, the art and music scene there is something that I have, you know, in my travels, I've seen places all over the country who I feel like have tried to mimic mm-hmm. that, but there's just no way that they can match up with with how it is in Austin. Um, I, I it's, it's hard to explain, but there's just a certain personality that the city has. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just nowhere else. It's very special. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Austin is definitely one of the coolest cities in the country. And we, we've been to almost all of the cities in the country. So, yeah. yeah and you know, when I was first coming up, I, for at least a year, I played a show every single day. Huh. Uh, whether it was me bringing my guitar to a restaurant and playing, you know, in a corner, or a happy hour thing, or a show, or an acoustic show, or a rock show. Um, I just made sure that I was performing somehow every single day. 
and um, I wanted to work my way up to being a full-time musician, you know? Right. So there, there was that opportunity there for me at that time, and I'm, I'm so appreciative that I was able to do that. And, um, you know, there aren't a whole lot of cities that you could really pull that off in. And, I mean, I arrived homeless. I had nothing. I had nowhere to live. I had nothing. I didn't know anyone. And so, um, you know, I think that it was a good place for me to start from scratch right. and to build myself. And, um, you know, I just had to work really hard, but the opportunity was there. And I'll say that, you know, before I moved to Austin, I, uh, I went to a lot. I, I basically traveled around the country to find a new place to set up a studio, you know? Yeah. I was from Sacramento, California, and the, the studio scene, and there was like, you know, three studios and three places to play shows. So uh-huh. I just wanted to move to a town that had a, a vibe of uh, music scene. And, um, and I went to a lot of the places where you would think that there would be a vibrant music scene, and they had all kind of dried up. You know, it was like, you know, San Francisco wasn't really, I mean, there's not really a thing happening. It's, there's, every place has their clubs, and they're really cool places to go. But I'm talking about a place where you can go, and there's a strip of clubs, and everybody's uh, out watching people. Right. You know, and, and I went out to all, all kinds of different places, and, and it just didn't happen. And when I got to Austin, I, I showed up on a Tuesday night. And, you know, it was the summer, but I showed up on a Tuesday night and there were just lines of clubs and there were people hacking the clubs, watching bands. And there was probably, and this is 2005, uh, so, the, you know, it's, things have changed since then. But still, it's, uh, you know, we, we go back to 6th Street and to Red River and there's still an active music scene there. Whereas, you know, most of the country, any other uh, cities, it just doesn't have that, that same vibe where where. You know, the city supports the arts and they support the music, you know, right. that's part of their identity. You know, so. Yeah, and there are people there fighting for that still, you know. Um, so, yeah, and it's, uh, Austin's is very special and there's just no other place like it that I have found. And I'm so grateful to that city and for the people there for uh, accepting me and and helping me get my chops up to start spring nationally and grow from there, you know. No matter where I live, I'm just, I'm always from Austin, Texas, as far as the band uh, is. That's, that's we're an Austin band. That's, that's what I always say, you know. Right, right. Yeah, makes total sense. How often do you get to play Austin now? We play Austin just about as often as we play anywhere else. Yeah. We're, we're on a national touring schedule now. Right. Yeah, yeah. so once or twice a year. So we oh. try to make it count. When it happens. Let me switch this up a little bit. How do you write your lyrics? I know that's a very broad question, so I'll try and narrow it down a little bit. When you're going in, let's just say for now, going into recording this new album, you have solo project and then you also have one eyed doll. Like what's your writing process, I guess is the main question. Um, I don't really have much of a process. No. Some songs come, some songs come out as piano ballads and then some of them are like a rock song um it just sort of it comes out the way it's going to come out you know did you write some of the banjo a lot too or acoustic guitar or just you know whatever okay. instrument is around um or just with my voice but it's uh you know sometimes we're we jam mm-hmm. and that's a lot of cool like when i doll wrist come out that way and then i i work around them but um it's just yeah it's different every time there's no 
there's no really set way that I write. I just, I only write when I'm inspired to do so. Um, and I'll never try to force it. No, no. Um, so, and, and and it doesn't always come at the most convenient time for me, (laughs) but inspiration when it comes out, you know. We yeah. have two weeks to rehearse for this tour, and it's just like, new oh, song, wow. new song, new song. Yeah. Okay, we have to work on that one. That's too cool. Okay, let's do it. I'm really sorry that I wrote another song. That's <laughs> <laughs> three today, Kimberly. You have to stop. <laughs> yeah, it is. So it's just, um, it really does come from my heart, uh, more so than my mind. So it's it's hard to plan things out that way for me. And um, there's never been a shortage. We're We're pretty behind as far as, recording we have like like something like nine albums or something right mm-hmm. ridiculous but there are yeah. more uh that haven't been recorded than have wow so it's it's sort of um we have we have a lot of material i could probably stop writing now and we would be good for the rest of our careers <laughs> on really but i it's can't amazing. because it's just what i it's just what i i do you know it's just how i express myself as i write so um I have, it's almost like a disease, like I can't, <laughs> I can't keep it from happening. It's the kind of disease that you really, really want. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the one thing I'll say is that, that um, I think both of us really try to uh, encourage the, um, like, if there is an idea, if there's a song, it, 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 we just make the song as good as possible and we don't really think about what it is like? Is it right. going to be a one-eyed doll song? Is it going to be a Kimberly Franklin solo ah, song? Okay. Is it going to be some weird song that you know? It's like we just make the song as good as possible. You know, she'll write something and we'll go in the studio and we'll produce it, and I'll have my input. We kind of go back and forth and we just create something. Yeah. And then and and when it's finished, it's kind of like we'll be like, oh, I wonder what that will end up on. You know? And, oh, okay. Yeah, but it's just a really organic kind of just what's going to happen, going to happen kind of vibe and. Uh, um, you know, we just, we feel it out. It's different for every song. Um, so. that, I As mean, a result, we have all, all of these songs that are attached to a particular project, so we haven't released them. And that, that is kind of, you know, we have these just volumes of songs that are finished, right. that are recorded, but they haven't been put out yet because it's kind of like, well, I wonder where that fits. You know, someday it will fit on something. Maybe I should get a vault with print. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So is that what you're doing right now when you're out there doing your recording session? Are you going through more songs that you've already put together? Or like you said, are these the new ones before the tour actually started? It's like half and half. You know, we we, we just, uh, you know, there's a lot of songs we need to finish. There's a lot of songs that have already been, um, you know, recorded. And a lot of a lot of that's my job. It's like once she writes the song, then I have then I take it from there and do the production stuff. So okay. I have a lot of work to do with the songs that she's already written, and while I'm doing that, she's writing more songs. Right. right. Yeah, that's kind of how wishes happen. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to be finishing up this one album. Um, that's a great album. It's really exciting. Oh, that. awesome! But I I kind of like tripped and wrote witches while we were supposed to be finishing that. Ah. And so we. Uh, <laughs> Got a little sidetracked and, and, you know, made wishes and really sad instead. <laughs> and, wow. and it was like kind of like every time I'd, I'd, I'd have a song, I'm like, oh, here, check this out, Jason. And then we'd record the scratch. And while he was like basically 
while he was doing that, I'd, I'd go write the next song and then come back with that. So it just sort of happened, like, pretty fluidly. Yeah, pretty much the whole album was done in, like, three days. Oh, you know, sorry, here's an album. And so it was sort of... And so we actually, we have the album that was supposed to come out when that did. It's still not out. So we still have that. So we're going back to that right now and ah. sort of uh, revisiting it and going like, okay, now what do we... Now that it's been this long... Um, let's uh, let's come back to this and make sure that it's what what we want to release next. And I have a lot of new stuff since then that would fit really well. So sure. we're sort of reformulating that album, um, which is supposed to be our, our main goal right now. But I, <laughs> I have been writing a lot. <laughs> I Look, I have talked to many, many bands on this show, and I have never heard anything like, Oh yeah, we were working on this, and I just happened to write a brand new album on top of that <laughs> album. That's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, I hope I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sort of kind of comes out. Right and now. that album is my favorite thing we've ever done, hands down. I mean, it's just you know, I, I listen to that one and I'm like, man, just knock that one out of the park. Wait, so the, the one fact who... that it just kind of came out from nothing oh, okay. like, over two days was just like, wow. Okay, which is. Which is, yeah, for a second there, I thought maybe you were talking about the one that you haven't released, so you were teasing that to everyone that that was the best yes, thing well, you've heard. Well, that's, that's not out yet, so. But That'll that, be the next step. Yeah, that's the next step. <laughs> there you go. That's a way to sound. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, we're not finished with it yet, even, so. I feel like the best stuff that we've ever done is some of the things that uh, that have not been released. Um, we're kind of holding on to that stuff right now. Um but yeah, we just kind of, we make music for the love of music yeah. and hopefully people will understand it. But, and then with witches, we were definitely aware of the idea that, um, that, you know, the current attention span of, of music listeners in general in this world is much, much shorter. It really is. That's than, true. Than it used to be when there were things like Dark Side of the Moon coming out and, that we were doing an album in more of that style that has a really uh, strong meaning, is mm-hmm. very serious, and is uh, a concept album. Well, that's um, more like one long song. You know? It's like, yeah. And so we were aware that it might kind of miss a lot of people um, and that it might not be accepted very well. Um, and we were like, screw it. This such, it's great music and we right. want to put it out. They like it or they don't. We don't even care. We're ready for <laughs> um, But it actually, it was it was really uh, well received and uh, like the best reviews we've ever gotten. And um, so, yay, yeah. bonus. Yeah, but we were ready to just like you know be like screw you guys. We love it, <laughs> everybody. Sure. And um, but it's kind of cool that people uh, seem to get it and the. Our fans, in particular, are just so cool. They were, they were uh, very. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to how to say. They were just very accepting. to put the time into absorbing that. Ah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Which I wouldn't expect of, of anyone, but they really did, and and um, it was it was really fun to release that. Well, let me ask you this for the new stuff that you're going over right now. Will that be more on the concept track or are you going in a different direction? Okay. No, this is a more standard kind of album uh, with cool songs like the rest of our album. 
Yeah, Witches is the only true concept album right. uh, in our catalog and in our uh, in our future releases that I foresee. Um, if I do another concept album, I'm sure it'll be another just like, I just vomit it all out at once. <laughs> it's nothing that exists right now. It's just something that will happen if it's the right thing, if I'm inspired to do it. Were there any concept albums that had inspired that? Or was it just like you said, it just came out organically? Is there anything that you guys like in general, concept album-wise, that kind of made you want to do something in that vein? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm very heavily influenced by Dark Side of the Moon mm-hmm. and The Wall by Pink Floyd. Sure. Um, so that those those albums are just super tattooed on my soul. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they were definitely a big influence on on witches, and I think Jason has a couple more. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I've always been a fan of concept albums. You know, Operation also, yeah, Operation Mindcrime by Queen Dre. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, the, just the the uh, obviously, I think Pink Floyd are the, they are my main influence as well. But you know, Abigail. also, uh, yeah, Abigail by King Diamond. Well, lots of King Diamond now. Um, you know, the the transitions between the songs is also important. And one thing that we did in the studio is, um, you know, I don't want to get too much into the technical details, but when you're recording a song, usually on a computer, each song has its own file. So you, you open a song and you work on that one song. Right. Then you close it and you open a different song and open that one. And so each one has its own kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. For Witches, we literally did the whole project as if it were one song. So, oh. so all of the all of the transitions, all of the drums were recorded from beginning to end. When we went through and did the uh, the vocals, um, you know, at the time we we only had enough money to have like one day in a really nice studio, so we, we rented out a studio that had like all the the super sweet gear that we that we would want. Yep. Uh, but we only had it for one day, and and even that was like uh, some of the personnel at that particular studio were. Um, it was kind of like uh, we didn't have a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, there was some. Uh, we were working with a lot of vintage gear, which is amazing when it works and when it doesn't work. It's just heartbreaking. You know, you're paying by the hour to, be, to have someone like try to fix something. So right. anyway, um, we finally got everything working. We got it. We, we we kicked everyone out of the studio, so it was just me and Kimberly, and we we did all of the vocals from beginning to end for the whole album. There might have been two or three takes. Most of what you hear is the very first thing that she sang. So wow. Stillness, stillness, yeah. one take. It was the first take of the song. It was like, nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> Damn. Wow. To me, that's like one of the best vocal performances uh, that she's ever done. So that was something really cool about Witches, that we were able to just have it all open at once and work on everything from beginning to end as if it were one song. <laughs> is that now, besides the issues that you had in the studio itself, is that kind of something that you'll be looking forward to doing in the future? Or once again, is that just something that it's spontaneous? Uh, you know? Probably. Yeah, probably not. I mean, when we're working on our next songs, they're going to be individual songs. They're okay. going to be related to right. The, you know, so you wouldn't like, have to go through which all is or, uh, which is which is literally one song split up by by the titles. But the, a lot of the themes uh, are similar throughout the album. There are musical parts that are shared 
within the songs by various instruments. And so it's it's composed and produced as if it's one long song, which is, uh, you know, it's not something I would do on a typical oh, no, regular album. I would have each individual song be, be its own complete idea. Right. Now, going into your album, so with the six One-Eyed Doll albums, did you guys go into them each time with that kind of different dynamic? I know, Kimberly, you're writing whenever you need to, and <laughs> things are just coming out as they come out. But mindset-wise, for these albums, are they relatively similar, or were there different things that you were going through while writing them that kind of influenced what you were writing about? Yeah, um, there's there's some like thematics. Um, you know, uh, Hole was just sort of my uh, my my early stuff, mm-hmm. you know? and then uh, um, Monster kind of kind of also. Uh, by the time we got the break, uh, I was actually writing those songs uh, for a three-piece lineup because I uh, thought we were going to be a three-piece band, and sure. um, I brought out a bunch of my singer-songwriter stuff and sort of rewrote those songs as um, a three-piece band song. Okay. So a lot of those, like Cinder Block and um, Resurrection, um, a lot of the songs on break were actually Murder, Suicide, oh, were yeah. songs that I used to play with my acoustic guitar oh, okay. at, like, at like open mic night. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so those were sort of uh, revisited as when I doll songs. And um, you notice a lot more standard tuning in those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it's, it's just it's really a singer songwriter storytelling album. Um, and then uh, "Dirty" is very thematic. Yes, uh, it's it's more blues, uh, and it's just more the like gnarly uh, uh, kind of. Dirty songs, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So, it was recorded with more live live. Yeah, and the way that we recorded it was more live. Like, uh, right. As opposed to usually in the studio, you know, you do, you have a click track, and then the guitar will play over the click track, mm-hmm. and then the drums will come in and do that, and then, you know, you end up doing scratch things for each instrument and then replacing them with the real performances. But uh, Dirty... We, we literally scrapped the click tracks. We didn't use click tracks for most of it. Oh, okay. And we set, up, we set up his drums and my guitar in the same room, and we jammed. Oh, very nice. And that's what, that's what made the album. Yeah. We just played together with our, with our original groove, what felt right, you know. Tempo changes, because we do, we do a lot of tempo changes mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And when you're, you know, when you're recording a typical album working with a click, you can kind of do that, but you sort of have to chop it together, you know, sometimes. Right. So we just, we just wanted this one to be really organic and more of our live vibe, like the way that we groove together live. Yeah. So we just threw we just threw all those rules out the window, and um, and that was the one that we recorded in the church. Oh, okay, yeah. And so we we recorded the just guitar and drums together for all the songs, and mm. then we went over the top of that, and then layered in all the other instruments that we wanted to play. Oh, okay. So 
So there's a, you know, there's a Hammond organ in the church, and mm-hmm. we played that on almost everything yeah, that we could. Right. Yep. And, and we were at Sylvia's, so we had all this cool uh, vintage equipment to use, so we brought in a bunch of that cool stuff. And um, But yeah, it was really uh, dirty. It was very thematic in that way. It was very uh, organic and live and yeah. based, which is totally different from our other album. And it's really, it's 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 one of my favorites because I feel like it's so just unique in that way, um, and it's just very it's very true. And so, uh, and something about a dragon. There's definitely a theme there because yes. it's a compilation of songs that were used in our friend's video game, right. Adventure Quest World, mm-hmm. uh, and his his other video games. Everything by Artix Entertainment. Um, the Pony versus Pony theme song. <laughs> You've got the title, you know, Battle On. Yep, Battle On. song that we wrote for them as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of just, you know, it's that. We put it out with them, and um, that was sort of a collab kind of thing. So that's that's very schematic. Absolutely. And obviously, which is. <laughs> yep. So. And this next one has a little bit of a theme as well that I won't, uh, I won't tell you yet. No, I understand. <laughs> It's a new kind of theme for us. We haven't done this particular thing with a whole album before. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be really fresh, and um, I'm excited about it. I've been wanting to put these songs out for so long. Right. I just, well, look, you know, I mean, even though Witches came out in 2015, you know, all of your fans, including me, were waiting for new stuff because why would we not want new <laughs> stuff? Like, of course, it's uh-huh. really, you know. It's the way it works. Now, do you guys have an idea of kind of a timeline of when you would expect the new album to be out? Yeah, not exactly. I would love to have it out in the spring. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of business stuff attached to yeah. it that is going to declare more of when that is going to be, you know, sure. the industry. Yeah. So, uh so that's sort of that's not totally up to me right now. Um, but if it were up to me, I'd say spring. Like if we were just self-releasing, mm-hmm. which you know could happen, sure. Um, I, I would love to have it out in early spring. While you're out recording this, is the next plan to take a little bit of a break during the holidays and then get out to touring again, or are you working on something else? Uh, yeah, I want to spend the whole winter in the studio. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to be on the road uh, for the winter. We've done three tours this year. So. Yeah, right. Um, seems like you need a little bit of a break. Yeah, we did spring, summer, and fall. Right. So winter is, is the easiest time. I try not to tour in the winter when, when, when possible because it's just more dangerous and mm-hmm. um, it's harder for people to go out. And, right. You know, you, you end up having a throat infection for the entire tour. Uh. <laughs> Red right. like that, the roads aren't safe. So I, you know, if 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 it's possible, I really love uh, spring and fall, and and um, you know, and then every other season can be more developmental and studio time and family time and all that. So. Yeah, and it makes sense that you're out west doing this right now, so you don't have to deal with all that stuff. So I completely understand that. Yeah. I looked at the client. I don't want to take too much more of your time because this has been awesome. But I did want to ask. Yeah, uh, we do have a we have a session coming up soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, how was your guys' Halloween? 
Uh, it was cool. Well, we, for us, the Halloween was the whole two-month tour with Lynch yeah, and Yeah, I felt like Halloween was over when we got Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I, spent, I spent the whole day in my pajamas. Gotcha. I didn't do anything. I went to uh, a couple shops and got the, like, discounted Halloween gear that they had on. <laughs> ah, sure. <laughs> sure. That's pretty much it. Just like Jason and Ben and I, um, Ben, our, our stage manager, mm-hmm. Benjamin Riggs, who we love. Um, we all just kind of hung out and like got some food and, um, like, and I, I literally was just in, in my pajamas all day. I didn't, gotcha. I didn't even try. <laughs> hey, completely understood. Look, I understand. I was doing a show. I completely get it. I wrote a song. Yeah. <laughs> I did write a song. Oh, there you go. I, yeah, you know, I try to like, it's, fun, it's funny because on the holidays, usually all I want to do is make a song. So yeah, that's. That's right. That was how Halloween Eve. I wrote a song and then we recorded it. We didn't. Yeah, oh. we didn't. We didn't go to bed at all. We wow. just spent until like ten thirty in the morning um, recording the song that I had just written. Right. And then I promised. I had promised Ben that I would go shopping with him mm-hmm. that next morning. So I just <laughs> he woke up when we were just finishing this stuff and. Um, I didn't have the heart to cancel my plans with him, so I just went out shopping with him after. <laughs> <laughs> Got back around like two or three p.m. and then finally went to bed. Wow! But that was I was up for a long time. But, gotcha. No, that's yeah. A- yeah, we we I wrote and we recorded a whole song on Halloween. Look, that's even better. Something. Yeah, that's even better for people to hear. So let me end this now and say. Thank you guys very much. I am a huge fan, so it was really great to talk to both of you. I know people are really going to enjoy hearing about all the new music and everything. And I just wanted to thank you personally for not only the great music, but then also for being one of the best bands I've seen live in 2016. It was really amazing seeing you guys live. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That's super sweet of you. Absolutely. No, this is a highlight for me having you both on the show. So thank you very, very much for coming on and and speaking with me. And yeah, look, I'm just very, very excited for the new stuff. I can't wait till you guys get on tour again because now I know for sure I am always going to be going no matter what. So good luck with everything. Before I end this, like I said, I am going to have links to everything that you guys have in the description of the episode so people can go to your stores, buy merch, you know, get the new album when it comes out, get the old albums. Is there anything right now, though, that people can do to support you that you'd like to tell everyone? <laughs> well, you know, I think the best thing that you can do is probably, you know, start by uh, just checking some stuff out on YouTube, watch the videos. You know, if you're new to One-Eyed Doll, you know, that's a good place to start to see, you know, what we're yeah. kind of about. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, uh, sign up for our mailing list. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to our website, there's a newsletter, oneeyedoll.com. There you and, go. Um, and then uh, we'll keep you updated on when our next tour is, when we have a new album coming out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, download the albums on iTunes and all that. That, that would be awesome we actually have our own music site as well on Bandcamp. Yep. Um, music.oneyedoll.com that we get we get all of the revenue from that so oh that's good like to know okay. yeah we're, we're you get a cut from amazon and i right. google and stuff 
our our music.lineisall.com site is all directly goes to us. Right. Um, and we have everything on there except for witches because standby right. um, doesn't want us to sell it on our website. Uh, so, um, so yeah, anything that you get there, it's uh, pay what you want, uh, sliding scale, whatever, whatever that you can afford to pay, and then 100% of that goes right into um, that pile that you guys were talking about before. Yeah, it goes right into our gas tank for a bit. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the big void of, of uh, small business ownership it goes into that void somewhere. Right. But, yeah, it's, uh, that's really helpful to us. Um, uh, and, you know, you can order fun things from us there, too, that come directly from me, like signed yeah. albums and memorabilia and fun things like that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that site's really good for supporting us. Okay. Like I said, I'll have links there because, I mean, you guys deserve all the success in the world, and I will definitely be pushing that out there. So, guys, once again, thank awesome. you very much. Absolutely. Uh, you're wonderful, Ian. We appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye.
blissful guinea pig ignorance is your god too society awaits with open arms we'll brainwash your demons out of And we are back. Did anyone recognize that track? That was Committed off One-Eyed Doll's first album, Whole. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did. I would say that even between being a first-time listener to One-Eyed Doll and even being a huge fan of One-Eyed Doll, I think in that conversation you probably learned something. I'm very hopeful about this. And I'm also hopeful that if you somehow have never heard of One Eye Doll or never had a chance to listen to them, that now you're hooked. Because I was not kidding when I said, not only is this one of my favorite bands, but also, if you ever see them come around your area and you're able to see them on tour, you have to go. I don't know if I made that clear enough. I'm pretty sure I did when I was talking with Kimberly and Jason. You have to go see them live. I also wasn't kidding about all their merch options. As you could tell, this is a very do-it-yourself band. So the best way to support them is to pick up that merch. So you can go ahead and you can look up one Eye Doll for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But then you can also go to their website, oneeyedoll.com, and that'll link you to pretty much everywhere. And on that site, you can get to their store MV, oneeyedoll.storemv.com. You can also get to Kimberly Freeman's specific site that I had also mentioned. That's KimberlyFreeman.StoreEnvy.com as well. Now there are two separate stores and there might be some overlap, but a lot of the things on Kimberly's store are those arts and crafts that she was talking about during the conversation. So make sure you support them. Like I said before, and like you probably already know, there are links in the description so that way you can get everywhere you need to go very, very easily. You can also support Ian Hates Music by interacting with me on Twitter and Instagram, Ian Hates Podcast, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ian Hates. You can email me, ianhates at gmail.com. 
And then the best thing you can do is if you can rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, all of those sites, especially iTunes. That's the big help. That would be much appreciated. But once again, I would like to thank Kimberly and Jason for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun talking to them. I know the cell phone stuff can be a little iffy from time to time, but hopefully you got to hear everything properly. I was very excited to hear about the new album that they're working on already. Can't wait to see them on tour. I really hope that you guys go out there and pick up some of their stuff. Make sure to see them live and really support this band because I need new music. So I'm going to leave you with one final song. And I think Jason mentioned this on the show too. There's no way we can leave without playing Be My Friend off the album Monster. So we're going to end the show with that today. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Preacher said I'd sin. Forgive me, Father, for my.